Welcome to Women Rise. What makes me qualified to talk about how women rise? I am a woman, living, breathing, experiencing. I am your host, Melissa, and this episode is all about how to make a stop list, or rather, a not to-do list. So the problem with a lot of to-do lists and honestly, much of the self-help books and industry that you'll find is that it's just adding to your already busy schedule. I don't know a single person that I would ask today that wouldn't say they're anything but busy. Unfortunately, busy has become a badge of honor and something that's been really glorified. So what I recommend is to make a not to do list or a stop doing list. And these are incredibly effective for a number of reasons. First being that it frees up a whole lot of time to, well, finally get to your to-do list. And second, it's that you're probably doing a lot of things that aren't actually moving you towards a place that you want to be, right? They're not actually helping you achieve your goals. It's kind of that you've passively taken on a lot of these activities and doing these things that aren't actually benefiting you and that are keeping you in this state of busy. So take it from a recovering workaholic, right? Busy does not make you important. It's actually a lack of prioritization. And if you are clear on your priorities, it becomes a whole lot easier to stop over committing and being unnecessarily busy. So I've compiled a a list of 10 things that you can stop doing at work or at home to free up some of your time to at least get those creative juices flowing, right? Ultimately, what I recommend is that you make your own stop list, right? There are definitely going to be things that vary from person to person that you know you already want to or can eliminate from your everyday life. So here are 10 that I recommend and that I've really tried to stop doing as well. First, stop finishing bad books, podcasts, audiobooks, whatever it is. Really stick to that 10-page rule or at least one chapter. So for those of you who don't know what the 10-page rule is, it's the idea of if you're 10 pages into a book and it still hasn't hooked you, you're not loving the writing, you don't feel like you're going to get a lot of value, put the book down. I know a lot of times there's like this feeling of, oh, we've got to finish these books, we've got to finish these things that we've already started listening to. But really what that comes back to is sunk cost decision-making. So for those of you that don't know what a sunk cost is, in business, this is a term, you know, sunk cost decision-making means making a decision based on a cost that has already been incurred and cannot be recovered, right? So basically the idea is, all right, I already bought this book. I've already downloaded this podcast. I should finish it for the sake of finishing it. But the reality is time is the only thing that we are not getting back. It is our most finite resource. So learning to get comfortable with not finishing things is actually really important. All right, now on to number two. Stop spending time with people that leave you feeling drained. So a lot of the stop doing lists when I was doing, you know, some initial research for this podcast talked about, you know, stop hanging out with the wrong people. What does the wrong people mean, right? Like wrong means something different for every person. So what I'm recommending is that you stop spending time with people that leave you feeling drained, right? That's a very clear thing that you can think about. You spend an hour or two, you go to dinner, you go to lunch with someone, you come home and you just feel emotionally drained. This is not a person to be spending time with, right? So I know this can be hard, especially with long-term friends. So set time limits or decide that you're only going to see certain people once a month or every few months. 
but getting intentional about who you spend time with or do not spend time with can be really beneficial to your mental health. Number three, stop answering phone numbers that you don't know. So this one comes straight from Tim Ferriss's you know, list of nine things to stop doing. But this is so true. And the reality is, if something, someone's calling you from an unknown number and it's actually important, they will leave a voicemail. I can't tell you how many times I've picked up the phone previously, and it's been like my alma mater uh, where I got my MBA calling to ask for money donations, and then I'm stuck on the phone with this person, and they're already giving me a spiel, and I'm not exactly sure how to exit the conversation, so just don't answer numbers that you don't know. Number four, stop giving advice without permission or being explicitly asked. Oof. Okay, so this is a hard one for me personally as well. And I mean, the reality is a lot of us are problem solvers. So if you're a problem solver, which I think most of us are, we have this kind of innate desire to help solve problems of people we love and even strangers when they're telling us about issues that we have an answer to. But this is not always the best response. A lot of times people are just sharing to be heard and they don't want advice. So. By kind of practicing just asking for permission to give advice, you know, after someone has told you about something that's happening, saying, hey, may I offer a suggestion? It gives them a moment to pause and decide whether or not they'll actually be able to receive the advice because it can fall on deaf ears a lot of times just because someone's not in an emotional space to either implement the advice or that's really not why they were coming to you. So by asking for permission and getting consent before we share our advice, not only saves us energy and time, but it actually improves the relationship at large. So next time you're on the verge of just telling this person how they can fix their life, pause and ask for permission first. All right, number five, stop saying yes when you mean no, only to cancel later. Okay, so this is more pertaining to when people invite you to do things, right? And this is honestly a personal pet peeve of mine, and largely because I used to do it. I would say yes, even though I knew I really didn't want to do this activity because I felt that it was less awkward to cancel last minute. This was several years ago, and I'm very proud to say this is something I no longer do because it's not benefiting anyone. Although you may feel like you're helping the person in the moment by not shutting them down, the best answer is to say, you're not sure, but you'll let them know if you decide yes, right? So this does not get the hopes up, you know, in the other person that you're actually going to show up to something that you're probably not going to. Also, it stops from inconveniencing the other person, especially if they're just trying to make a one-on-one plan with you. They're not inviting you to an event, but they're asking you if you want to do something Saying no is far better than canceling later because this inconveniences everyone. And I think unfortunately this has become way more prevalent in our digital ultra connected time, right? We have cell phones, we have social media, we have all these immediate ways to communicate with each other that enable us to have a culture of canceling. And this just, yes, this drives, this one drives me nuts. So please stop saying yes when you actually mean no. Just say you'll think about it, and if the answer is yes, you'll get back to them, give them time frame. And not only does this help the other person that's actually inviting you or asking you to do these things, but 
it clears up your own mental to-do list, right? And when you have a lot of these lingering things that and these emotional connections that you'll need to resolve later, right? The problem is that it takes away from your ability to be present because you're not writing down these things, you know, remember to cancel on so-and-so. And if you are, then, well, that's also adding to your to-do list unnecessarily. So when you know the answer is no, just say no. All right. Number six, stop helping people who refuse to change. Ugh. Okay. This is another big one. And this is true at home and at work. It's really easy to become an enabler, especially if you're a natural helper by doing things for other people, coming to emotionally rescue them, especially when they seem stuck in a loop. And you know, you know who I'm talking about, right? You can think of that one person in your life that's just stuck in the same loop, whether it's their relationship, something they're doing at work, and they just can't seem to help themselves. So you find yourself stepping in. Well, this is a big one to add to that stop doing list, right? Pull yourself out because it is not your responsibility and you're actually probably enabling their behavior. All right, number seven, don't participate in events or activities because of peer pressure. So this kind of ties back to the one earlier, but this is a little different. You know that there's those events that you just feel like you're quote, should be at. Listen, our time is finite. Do not do things that you do not love, right? If it's not a quote, fuck yes, then it should be a no. Getting clear about this will save you so much time doing things that you don't really care about. And of course, you know, oftentimes if it's something you've never done, you'll want to try it. But after you try it and you know you don't like it, don't do it again just for the sake of socialization. You will find your tribe. You will find the people that actually resonate with you by going and doing things that are a fuck yes, not a lukewarm or a maybe for you. Okay. And number eight, don't let strangers ramble. Practice exiting conversations with ramblers, saying something like, excuse me, I have to run, or even taking a fake phone call. Do whatever you need to do because your time is valuable and a stranger doesn't have a right to it. Now, I bring this one up because I recently uh, went to Hawaii, I actually just got back last night, and something that I noticed that I needed to work on was not to continue letting people to ramble, especially strangers. And I noticed I got better at it as the trip went on, but you know, it's also cultural there too. Hawaii, they like to just, every transaction needs to be a conversation. And so, you know, you can have those short interactions, but then practice leaving when you're done, right? You don't have to continue a conversation with someone that you do not know. Okay. Number nine, do not agree to meetings without an agenda. So this is definitely a work-related one, but this is so important. Whether you work full-time or you're client-facing, I now no longer agree to a, quote, quick phone call without an agenda. I always ask for one. I always ask specifically what they want to talk about. And if it's someone that's like a prospective client and they're like, oh, we just want to learn about your services, I will actually send an email in advance, like even an hour before, with a list of services and prices. And... That way, when we enter the conversation, it's very clear that this is not a free consulting call because I have gotten trapped in so many of those when I was first starting to work for myself. And this is huge. 
This is also really big time waste <laughs> when you work full time. I know that there are some meetings, you know, with like, say, your C-suite that are a little bit unavoidable, but still asking for what the agenda is so that you can prepare is really helpful because it gets them to think about why they want to take your time. Anyway, this is a big one. So if there's no agenda, don't agree to the meeting and email them, ask them for specifically what they want to talk about. And number 10, also work-related and kind of on the same vein, but stop over-communicating with low-volume customers or clients. This is another big one. I've found as a consultant that the people who want to take up a lot of my time are always the smallest clients, right? They're the like $100, couple hundred dollar folks, right? That just want like a few minutes of your time, somehow end up eating away at your time. And they often are smaller businesses and they demand a lot of handholding. So it took me a while to start seeing the signs, but now that I do, it's gotten much easier to restrict communication. So if someone is a low volume client or customer, set short meeting times. I've even set 20 minute meetings before and said, I need 10 minutes to get to my next meeting. And I also make a point of asking if whatever we're talking about can be done over email because I can respond quicker. And that's how I'll often frame it is like, hey, if this is a five or 10 minute question, can we just do it over email? So again, to that previous point, you know, don't take meetings without agendas, right? So don't take those quote, quick phone calls without an agenda. So essentially, what I'm getting at here with all these 10 items is, or rather your stop doing list, is really, you know, how can we practice the art of non-finishing, right? How can we walk away from relationships, from things that aren't benefiting us, that we're not getting value from? And then also, how can we move away from sunk cost decision making? So making decisions based on what you've previously done, which is a terrible way to make decisions if you want to grow or move forward, right? And you see this happen with a lot of um, business owners even, people that have been in business for years and they're losing money and they just won't let it go because they've already invested so much, but that's a sunk cost. Same thing with relationships. You've known someone for years, but they've taken a turn for the worst. They're unhappy all the time. They're depressed. They're leaning on you. That's not necessarily want to be, right? We need to be compassionate, but only to the point that it's not draining us. So now we've talked about some kind of logistical, you know, home, work, clear things that we can stop doing. Now, when it comes to the emotional side, I noticed a lot of stop doing lists again when I was kind of looking at what other people have created. That the problem is they can often oversimplify very complex emotional issues a lot of times. So, you know, when you're coming to like the stop doing list and you're starting to think like, oh, stop being so hard on yourself. Okay, so what does that really look like? What what does that mean? What are some simple, actionable, easy ways that I can help move towards not being so hard on myself or not worrying so much, right? Because that kind of advice is not terribly helpful. So when you're making a list, you know, whether you want to add on to it from like an emotional perspective and some things to stop doing, here are a couple easy ones that I've started doing that maybe you can add to your list. So number one is stop leading with what's wrong. So when you text someone, when you call someone, when you go to tell them about your day, practice leading with the things that went right about your day before you start complaining. 
This has been a game changer for me. I really try and always lead with all of the good things that happened before getting to whatever complaints or whatever things that I want to share with someone to feel heard or feel seen. And that's important because you're reframing your brain to think about all of the positive things that have happened before getting to the negative. It's the same thing with gratitude journaling, right? Same kind of concept of like focusing on the positive rather than always looking to the things we want to complain about. Number two, stop past tense decision making. So this one I love, and this has been really helpful for me to stop being you know, getting kind of stuck in mental loops, right? So if I'm late somewhere, for example, so yesterday is a perfect example. I left a little later than I should have to get to the airport. Like I was cutting it real close to getting it on onto my plane to come home from Hawaii. And I got there and I got in the line. I was like, oh, oh no, this is not good. They were moving so slow and my boarding time is now. So Normally, I think, not normally even, I would say a couple years ago, I would have stood in line just like panicked and beating myself up and saying, God, why did you leave so late? You know, you should have left sooner, et cetera, et cetera. And I noticed my brain started to go there and I was like, okay, that is a past this decision. It is over. I can't change what has already happened. What can I do now? And so when I got to the front of the line, I thought, okay, maybe I can ask you know, the people in front of me, you know, let them know that my boarding time is right now and that will solve the problem. And that reframe kept me from freaking out while I was in line and really put me towards what can I do to change what's already happened or not what's already happened, what is about to happen, right? So rather than trying to change what happened in the past and lo and behold, when I got to the front of the line, uh, I actually got ushered into the pre-check line somehow by some uh, wonderful force in the universe called manifesting, whatever you want to say, or just dumb luck. But either way, I made it to my plan on time. And getting away from that past tense decision-making really helped me not to spend that entire time in line worrying about something that I couldn't change right? So you're raising your cortisol levels. You're just overall, it's not helpful. Bad stress is not good for us. So the more that you can move away from why did I, or I should of, you know, kind of thinking the better. Number three, stop confiding in people who make you feel worse about your problems. This one's really, really, really important. So being selective about who gets to comfort you and know about sensitive issues in your life will dramatically improve your quality of life. You know, we're always trying to feel out, you know, what is the next edge? What is the next emotional edge with new friends, new people? And if someone is continually making you feel worse about things in your life, whether it's confiding about problems, telling them even about the good things in your life, those are not the people to keep letting into your world. So take note. Take inventory of who makes you feel safe, who makes you feel good about sharing what's really going on. And if they're not, you don't have to tell them about the most sensitive parts of your life. It doesn't mean you need to cut these people out of your life, but maybe they're your activity friends, right? There's someone you go to the gym with or someone you do an activity with, but don't confide in because it's not ultimately going to support you and your well-being. All right. So those are the three that have helped me, right? And I think that these are kind of actionable things on an emotional level that we can do for ourselves that aren't these blanket statements of stop worrying, (laughs) stop doing things that aren't good for you, right? So think of 
little things that you can stop doing. And again, you know, time is that resource that we will never get back and getting intentional about how we spend it and what we stop doing can really free up a lot of our time so we can stop calling ourselves busy. And remember that as you're making your own list, that this is just a list of reminders, not a way to punish yourself if you continue doing some of the things on your stop list, right? The goal of this list is to help you develop awareness to how you're spending your time and what you're doing that's not beneficial for you. This is not a punishment. This is not another to-do list. It's a to-don't list. (laughs) So it should make you feel empowered and not drained, you know, and to do that, I recommend just starting with three. What are three things at work, at home, or on emotional level that you would like to stop doing? And again, feel free to borrow from all of the things that I've already listed here today. This doesn't mean you have to start from scratch, but I'm sure there are some things in your life that you know deep down that you want to stop doing. Put pen to paper, free up some of your time. I implemented a stop doing list actually almost exactly a year ago. It was last April and I occasionally will add to it. I'll occasionally remove from it. And it's been really, really powerful for me in trying to start deprogramming myself from busy culture. So thinking of things that you can stop doing will give you hopefully some relief. All right. Until next week, you badass ladies, keep moving and shaking. And check back next Tuesday at 9 a.m. for another episode of Women Rise.